Hi, everybody. Welcome back to From the Suggestion Box, Navigating Feedback, The Good, The Bad, and The Say What? So today I have my very, very special guest. This is Miss Dana Litwin. You guys have seen her all over. She is a mastermind. I adore her. She um, is CBA. Of course she is. Um, and she's a strategic advisor, public speaker, and thought leader in volunteerism and civic service. Since 2002, she has guided organizations in California's Silicon Valley and worldwide to produce breakthrough talent and community engagement programs. Dana is a popular presenter at the Points of Light National Conference on Volunteering and Service USA and countless regional conferences and webinars. She's the creator of the premier web series, Priceless Advice for Leaders and Volunteers, is the past president of Associations of Leaders and Volunteer Engagement, ALIVE, and a founder of the Multi-Sector National Alliance for Volunteer Engagement. Dana, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Nicole. Well done reading that, um, now that I hear it out loud, very awkwardly worded bio. I might have to rewrite that so it rolls off the tongue a little bit better. But uh, delighted to be here and uh, be a part of the podcast. And I'm wearing my special uh, last points of light we could do in person, which is a little, a little bit ago, uh, was, is the power of people. I love it. Yay. I love it. It's about to pop in here. <laughs> Love it, love it, love it, love it. So I um, am excited. That's one of my one of my goals for uh, next year, or eventually, is to become a presenter for Point the Light. So that just gave me a little bit of inspiration and confirmation right there. So I'm excited about that. But enough about me, because we're not here to talk about me. We're here to talk about <laughs> you. Let's talk. Woo. Feedback. The good, the bad, the ugly. Um, can you tell us about feedback that you have received um, that has helped you to grow? Maybe something that you were told that kind of hurt a little bit. It was like, oh, but you needed to hear it. Or maybe even the worst mistake you ever um, did in giving feedback that you learned from that you can pass along. We are all ears. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I have so many examples of, of each and every one of those things. So I have, if people dig deeper into stalking me on social media or they know me in real life or they've seen some of my presentations at Points of Light, uh -huh. uh, I, I also have a lifelong background as a theater performer and musician, yes. acting, posting musician, and I'm perfectly comfortable doing stage things uh, when we could have live theater, which is not right now. I would, right. you know, volunteer with uh, local theaters and help produce and direct and be in things. And I think one of the best ways to give and take feedback uh, for any profession is something that you learn in acting and that you particularly learn in improv theater, which is what I've done a lot of. And that is uh, quite frankly, to take the note. Say thank you and take the note uh, as far as receiving feedback. Uh -huh. uh, even if it's unsolicited, <laughs> even if it's not what you want to hear, uh, it's, it's just not, the juice is not worth the squeeze of you like that? I like that. You can have, that's a freebie. You can have that one. I like that. The juice is not worth the squeeze to confront, talk back, fight back, cause a thing, particularly, and it's not that you don't maybe discuss like, I don't know that you're the person that should be giving me feedback because you're not my director <laughs> or you're not my producer. That's a different conversation, but it's really about handling something in the moment and not to, um, and also to be mindful that we're not saying you know, we're not tone policing. We're not saying, oh, hush, and just, you know, take whatever's being said at you. Again, that's, that's a different category, which you got a whole other topic on that. But really just, uh, you know, if you're in a setting where it is appropriate to get feedback, just take the note. Say, thank you. That's a good note. Whether you're, whether you're going to do it or not, time will tell. But thank you, take the note. 
Yeah. Uh, and that's a, that's a genuinely difficult thing to do because um, even for a non-performer, the ego wants to get into it. The ego is like, oh, how dare, how dare. <laughs> um, and it's really just like scrunch your, this is my favorite grounding technique that I talk about in my videos. So like scrunch your toes in your shoes, take a, a deep breath into your belly, through your nose, calm, instantly calms you down and, um, kind of un unlocks, you know, any adrenaline, releases any, any adrenaline, um, calms down your autonomic nervous system response, just doing those things. And just like, okay, thank you. Uh, and for giving feedback, uh, my, my main rule is uh, to ask myself a few questions before I offer the feedback. Okay. Uh, is, have I been asked? Mm. super do not pass go if someone has not asked for your feedback or they have not said like to a whole class or to a whole room of feet of people please send me your feedback about because i present a lot this session i genuinely do want people's honest good bad ugly honest feedback because i know how to take it and i get better at stuff uh but ask yourself a few questions if you have an urge because again that urge is probably coming from a need your ego, a need to be right, a need to be an expert. It's, it may not be coming from a pure altruistic place. I uh, recognize that. So uh, have I been asked? <laughs> Two, is it my job? Is it my role to be the person who gives the feedback? Am I a peer or above? Mm. Am I a peer or above? And, and if you're a peer or above, even if the person haven't, hasn't asked for feedback, it might be your place to say something if it's a pretty serious issue, if it's about to lead to worse issues, verbally, physically, safe, safetily, oceally, whatever. Uh, <laughs> so there's that aspect. Um, and really the third thing is, um, can I be emotionally neutral? So it's not asking anything of the other person. So you have to, ha you have to check a lot of boxes in yourself. <laughs> before you say anything to anybody in that situation. I love that. And, and I'll let you guess the percentage of people who follow those three rules or even think to know about them who do that. Uh, let's say 10% maybe. And that on a good on, day? Yeah. depends on how emotional you are when it happens. Yeah. So if I can give, you know, factual actual factual emotionally neutral feedback to somebody and they've asked for it and or it's my role or job to be the person that gives feedback great here comes the feedback uh and you know the worst there's kind of a joke in theater but it's it's a joke and it's a stereotype because it's happened to so many of us particularly women particularly to friends of mine who um are black indigenous persons of color, like any kind of group that isn't the classic theater improv, middle-aged, bald, white, cis, straight guy. Uh -huh. uh, is Everyone who isn't that guy, because we all know that guy. Right, um, right. And sometimes he's a nice guy, but he's just that guy. Still that guy. <laughs> he's, just, he's just that guy, and he's going to do that guy stuff, um, is that we are... Um, the worst, the worst way to give feedback, which is the joke in theater, uh, which is that your note is to suck less or do it better. Like that's the, that's the classic joke of an acting note from a director is like, oh, well, you have any notes for that scene? Yeah, suck less. And people have said like very famous directors, actors have spilled the beans that extremely multi-million dollar directing directors have been that tactful about stuff <laughs> wow and it's just like that's, that's kind of a that's not how it should be done that like, doesn't what, like, what do you do with that like uh right like, so no. so good feedback should have you know an action item <laughs> you know uh, 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 an actionable thing to improve whatever it is that you're doing and getting feedback on and it should be said with, if not kindness and compassion, then at least in an emotionally neutral, non-hostile way. And that's where that emotional neutrality comes in. Because if I'm having a really bad day 
and I just feel like I need to snap at someone to get some stuff out. It has nothing to do with them. And, and some poor person's like, oh, can I have some people? Like, you know, I've, none of us are perfect people. This, these have been lessons that I've had to learn the easy way and the hard way. Yeah. But yeah, I'm, I'm uh, a very direct, painfully honest person. And in my less polished younger years and career, uh, they came out as really blunt and curt and was mistaken for being rude when I usually didn't mean it. Part of my personality is to be a little sometimes too blunt yeah. or too honest. And so back in the day, if, if someone said, oh, I'd really like your feedback, I'd be like, great. And I would like unload on them. Or if I was in a bad mood, it would come off like, oh, this is a great way to blow off steam right at this person. And it would get that edginess to it that wasn't had nothing to do with them. And so in the decades of adulthood, I've learned had to unlearn doing that, um, not just for my own career and personal survival in all kinds of different relationships, but just that like, no, I mean, deep down, I am a kind person, I'm a warm person. And so anytime there's an accidental show through of a bad old coping mechanism or weird button pushed reaction like I just try to be mindful of that to make sure it doesn't doesn't happen um, that's not to say that if because if we're talking about feedback that's really different than it's different than evaluation and it's different than criticism okay so if I see evaluation I'm going to define it as something that's a part of a formal work or art process okay like HR. To me, HR and evaluation or volunteer management and evaluation go together. Like there's, there have been, um, you know, handbooks and training and expectation set and information given that XYZ should occur. And only X, X and Y has occurred and Z has not occurred. And this is the fee, this is your, the evaluation is do more Z. Okay. Right. So okay. I see that as a more, I see evaluation as a more formal process that is supposed to be neutral and can be replicated from person to person and situation to situation within that organization. Okay. Um, criticism is mean. Criticism comes from that um, not emotionally neutral, ego, wounded inner child, whatever, whatever you want to call it. It comes from that place. And criticism is usually, in, in my experience, I don't speak universally, but criticism is something that I grew up with a lot, that I had to like, I had to get a lot of therapy to undo <laughs> the way, way overly harsh and unrealistic criticisms that, that were um, heaped upon me from a young age. Yeah. And, that, and a lot of other people have been in that similar situation where they've come from, you know, strict, highly critical, highly controlling, sometimes, you know, downright abusive, where once it has that emotional edge to it, that can really like get people to tense up or close down or again, push a button that um, you're hopefully not intending to push. So I think criticism is like, even when people say constructive criticism, like you were reading my mind. I couldn't yeah. ask. <laughs> I just feel like call it, you know, ask for feedback, call it feedback and feedback should be more, more gentle and more informal and more neutral. Um, and evaluation should be neutral, but you know, maybe not as pleasant, but cause it's part of, of, a process, right. uh, a formal process, but yeah, I don't, I don't see any room for criticism. I just don't. I think we're in a world where there's enough going on where you don't need yeah. that kind of stuff from yeah. people you ad admire or that are in in charge of you in some weird way or have some, you know, control over your art, your life, your job. And you know, I don't, I don't want to call you. Well, it's constructive, like. Right. Is it though? Well, it is, is it? Because often I will tell people, you know, please give me your constructive criticism. And all they hear is, please give me your criticism. Yeah. <laughs> that constructive falls out anyway. So I like that. Um, plus, the criticism is such a, it has such a negative connotation. Um, I like that. I'm going to even start asking for it differently. Thank you. Nugget. You're welcome. 
Yeah, and I think again because the word criticism is it's an it, in English it has an inherently negative meaning, uh-huh. and and it means even if you say constructive, you have to go so many extra logic steps in the language of hearing the word criticism in any sentence to get any kindness or neutrality in there. Like uh-huh. it's it starts you off out of balance. I feel like it starts off a power imbalance uh-huh. in the conversation. True. So saying, oh, you know, I would really like some feedback. The other thing that happens in theater, which should be adopted in every uh, sector, industry, profession, is there are house rules for communicating. And not just like Robert's Rules of Orders for calling a meeting to order or whatever, Uh but um, that there are rules around when feedback is, again, when feedback is given, and not an evaluation, but even just sitting around in a class and say, you know, um, we agree to uh, not say, not say harsh things to each other. We agree to speak to each other with compassion. And we all agree to call a timeout when something isn't that has been said that is not okay. Uh, So I think there are some tools that come from woo-woo actors and arts people because you know woo-woo actors and arts people and you are too completely in it yeah and so i think there there are ways there's weirdness and nastiness in the theater and and um you know that's kind of a stereotype of the snappy diva and whatever but there's also more often again especially in, in in improv circles more often there is compassion vulnerability empathy active listening, things that are important to doing the craft well. Um, And same thing in music, like you really have to listen if you're a musician, not just to the notes that are happening, but what what's being said about how the how the song or the piece is going to go. So I think that's a big part of feedback is are are we practicing that active listening? Or are we just waiting for like, Oh, Mr. Kata, Mr. Kata, I got something to say. Yeah. Is it my turn? You know, and thinking about, well, this is what I'm going to say when it's my turn. And the subject has completely moved on. And then they're like, boom. Right, right, <laughs> right. Um, man, that was good stuff. Um, <laughs> and I like what you were saying because you can even almost create that culture from orientation and have that mention of our culture is a, I don't know, I'm just throwing something out there, like a, a, a neutral feedback uh, mm-hmm. type of culture where we expect you to give it and also we expect you to receive it, but so do your leaders. And it's mm-hmm. a uh, an open door and flowing kind of back and forth so that, for the lack of better words, people are put on notice that- yeah. Totally. We can come and tell you about yourself. I mean, you'd obviously say it a lot nicer than that, but we can come and tell you about yourself and that's the culture of who we are. But you know, you can come tell me about myself too, if I'm doing something that's not right. Mm -hmm. Um, But that we know that, but almost laying the, the, the ground or laying the field, laying down the, I don't even know what I'm trying to say, but yeah, yeah, um, setting expectations, you're setting expectations and then, Everybody knows. Everyone's got the same information. Yes. Everyone's on the same page, playing field, whatever other metaphor. And then it's just whether or not you're you're you are helping, you are contributing to them meeting their expectations, yeah. or not. And are they contributing to meeting expectations or not? And I I bake that into this, some of my a good portion of my consulting are clients where I'm helping write a volunteer program manual or I'm designing their all of their volunteer engagement strategies and programs and activities from the ground up. I'm doing that with a client, wow. a client in New York right now. And I have, I've developed a, both a volunteer handbook and a manual template that has my three C's of happy volunteers. Like it has stuff in it, but what it does is it from the get go, whether there's been a leader of volunteers, like a volunteer admin or a manager or coordinator, already in the job or if they're starting a program from scratch like this client is in New York where yeah. I've also helped them hire somebody who's who's about to start like really starting it from the ground up nice and it's baked in from the beginning and yeah. then you have that and then if people start to push back against it you're like oh but this is better 
this is nicer, creates a better culture. Right. And I've, al I've also seen, your mileage may vary, I've also seen when the culture of the volunteer engagement program shifts to from gossip and toxicity to empathy, to honest, clear, two-way communication, emotionally neutral communication, when that, when that culture shifts, because that tends to be the most headcount in an agency, that tends to be the biggest population, when that majority population changes culture for the better, it, auto, it almost always automatically shifts to the rest of the agency. And I've watched that happen when I've joined agencies working full time, not as a consultant, mm -hmm. um, like three, three places in a row, I tried to do that and two of them it worked. <laughs> <laughs> so two out of three is pretty good. Not too bad, not too shabby. Not too shabby. Over the course of, of you know, 15 years, I, as I'm starting or reinventing or starting from the ground up a program, um, getting that baked in one time, uh, I, you know, I probably baked it as well as I could at the time, but the rest of the organization's culture was like so overwhelmingly weird and toxic that like, oh. it was like a mosquito getting, getting squashed. Oh, <laughs> uh, and, uh, and, but the other two, it's like, I can look back and say, uh, without ego in it, that, that the way I designed their volunteer programs, even though completely different people are running their programs now for these last years in those agencies since I've been gone, um, that had a positive lasting impression on not just how a great foundation of how volunteer engagement is a strategy and a foundation of how they do their work, right. and it positively expanded out to the culture of every other department, even if they were physically in different offices, because uh -huh. sometimes that's been the case. Sometimes it's all in one building, and a lot of times it's like, nope, they're across town, and they're right. that's client right, services. Right, 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 right. Um, so you've really got nothing to lose yeah. by, by setting it up that way. It's, it's only probably going to be a win-win or like a win-draw, like with that one place where I was like, well, I guess I'm not a superhero and some things people just don't want to change it. Not enough people want it. Not too many people are enjoying the weirdness because oh, they do. Yeah. On some level, people love the drama. On some <laughs> level, they feed on it. Like, so true. But you are a superhero. Even <laughs> Superman had to be Clark Kent every once in a while. So Exactly. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. So tell me. My glasses, if we're going to do that, I'm going to do this. I'm going to put the like, Supergirl, Superman, Diana Prince. Like, this is, oh, suddenly I'm unrecognizable as a person. I Who's this new person on my Zoom screen who has glasses? Oh, Dave's oh back. Oh, okay. her. <laughs> My cheeks Okay. Um, so, tell me this. And there's, I have two questions. Sure. One, the first one is, um, how do you handle, or have you ever had to be in this situation, especially if you've done, like, volunteer survey time, and the surveys come out, and especially because people get extremely expressive when it's anonymous. Um, and... Like, how did, did you, did you get any type of anything that just made you go, what? Or it like, just like, went to the heart, like dagger to the heart. Um, and how did you recover from that? So that's part one. Mm -hmm. And then part two, which I also feel a lot of people have a lot of challenge with, is if somebody comes back and gives you really great feedback, like you're doing a great job and this and mm -hmm. that, because what I notice is the first thing somebody does is like, no. And it's like, no. How do you help people learn how to take good feedback? Take the, take the note. Uh, yeah, it's, so part one, question part one, answer part one. Yes, a lot. <laughs> so, uh, with with anonymous volunteer surveys, which is like a backbone of how we do things in our profession, uh, the the most amusing part to me has always been that you get pieces of feedback in a survey, whether it's anonymous or not, that are exactly opposite. Oh yeah, all the time, and so that tells you that. If they're, it's it's great if people are expressing feelings, and in, in a lot of surveys that I've done or designed, um, 
for my volunteer talent polls in different agencies or helped with clients over the years, it's you want people to give factual, actionable, action item things and also just take their emotional temperature. Like it's okay to just have feelings about stuff. That's that's almost more important than the actual factual. How does it work for you to do an online form versus checking in with a clipboard and whatever. Um, And it's been I mean, I think you, we have yet to meet and hug in person because the world does not allow that. But I think you've, you've gotten to know me well enough as one can that, you know, I'm a pretty warm, friendly person. Uh, it, and it merciful, turns, very merciful too. <laughs> and very merciful, and, and, and not always patient, but I, I, I try, I don't suffer fools or BS a lot, but I, I really do my best to not be awful to people everyone has a bad day um so it's it's rare that i've gotten personal weird feedback okay uh, it, it's occurred and i take it with a grain of salt because i figure like maybe i had a bad day that day or i know I, even if it's anonymous I, I can often peg like it's one of these kind of i call them in my workshops that i teach grumposaurus like i think that's a grumposaurus who's really an oscar the grouch and they have value and it's good that they're on the team and they're great at such and such stuff, but they're just, they're kind of, that's how they see the world. Yeah. The, the worst piece of feedback that I got that hurt me personally was, was a, a baby volunteer coordinator um, was that I was too friendly and informal that someone was offended that I was, I, I they felt I was being too informal with them. So I don't know if that was an age thing or a different cultural thing, but they, but they were, they were bothered, not to the point of like complain, complain, but just for the survey, they're like, well, I would prefer a more professional, you know, formal uh, volunteer experience. And I find, you know, and it's not like I make like dirty jokes. Like I have a sense of humor, but like, it's all very Disney. It's all very, very Disney Pixar safe. Like this is not, I, I know how to not play blue. Like I know how to do comedy and I know how to, I, I can keep it family friendly. Yeah. <laughs> but people, but the times it hurt me because it's such a core part of my personality was and people didn't like, like that I was kind of having a sense of humor and a pretty good attitude about stuff. And I'm like, well, if that's your biggest criticism about me personally, like, yeah, I'm not going to take that note. Like, thank you. But that's, that note's going over in that pile over there. <laughs> so. Oh man. So you got to kind of like, and you, and you have to be confident enough in yourself or know yourself enough to know like, mm, they didn't really see the real me that day. Right. Right. And, and sometimes, uh, so to part two, that was a long answer to part one. So to part two is related to topics you and I have talked about before, not just in your crisis advice interview and Tuesday tips, but is, is a core topic for leaders of volunteers, which is um, a martyr syndrome. or a low self-esteem or a not understanding our value as people, as workers, as professionals. And the core of that is what you talked about setting up the second part of this question in Q&A, which is that you were great. You're great. And people going, ah, no, because probably the rest of the time in the agency, they're ignored. They're not respected. They're not valued uh, to make a, crash generalization but that's how a lot of us feel especially if we're earlier or mid-career if it's the first couple years into this career and it's more entry level and not as advanced in the career not as confident it it's sometimes hard to take that but the the advice comes back to take the note take a good note take a neutral note take a bad note say thank you take the note and if it's a compliment uh if it's if you're in a place of of being someone with lower self-esteem or, or insecure, which, Hey, you know, that's how things are. Uh, just, it can be really healing to learn how to take compliments. Uh, and I've also noticed that friends of mine, since I'm in California and we're like, thanks, man. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. No. Like we're all, we're pretty good at taking compliments, but uh, regionally in North America, uh, the Midwest States, not so much. <laughs> in midwest it can be a lot of oh sorry oh no oh no 
Uh, and I say that with love with my friends from Michigan and Minnesota and Wisconsin that I try to compliment. And they're like, oh, sorry, no. Uh, so, you know, some of it's, you know, depending on whatever cultures and areas you're raised in and what your family was like. But, you know, we don't get complimented enough, I think, in general as people, but especially in this profession. So take the good points. Yes, exactly. That is exactly why I created this. It is 801 compliments and awesomeness. And you can take it and you don't even have to say thank you. You can say thank you to yourself. Yeah. Give the, uh, yeah. The other day, I heard um, the amazing Karina Sadler. I was listening. Oh, to is it, she's. We love Karina. We're oh we're the Karina gosh. fan club presidents. Yeah, oh she's my gosh. awesome. All day. Yeah. yeah. Um, she was. Um, she's on a podcast with Meridian Swift. Yep. Plain talk. Volunteer plain and talk. Yep. She responded to a compliment that Meridian had given to her in a way that I have never heard anybody. And I was like, I am taking that note and I'm sharing it with the world. Use this as an example. She simply said, um, thank you for that. I'm paraphrasing. Right, right, right. Um, thank you for that kind feedback. That was very nice of you. And then she to whatever she was saying. And it was like, at that point, you know, if you believe it or not, that right. person thought enough of you to, to speak it and to say it. So don't like bat it away. Take mm -hmm. it as much as, like you said, take the note, maybe as hard as it might be. But like, if you just learn that phrase, it's almost kind of a way for you to just naturally bat it away, but also hold on to it at the same time until you mm -hmm. get used to it because, um, and again, I hate to keep bringing this up, but that is why I did this. That's the point of Nicole R. Smith's book. Yes. It literally, <laughs> it literally is because yeah, that's the we point. have to do that self-talk and talk to ourselves and remind ourselves because everybody else in the agency is not necessarily like, you know, saying, ah, ah they're not doing that. Yeah. But they're also not going out of their way to be like, you know, that was really great. And like you said, you're getting, you might be getting ignored or you didn't even get invited to the meeting where they're making decisions about, about your about stuff. And they yeah. get to you, you know, um, and it's just like a reminder, like, yes, you are seen, you are heard, your, yeah. your viewpoint matters. And the more you tell yourself that it's just going to build up your confidence. And, you know, so even if somebody comes to you and says something, even if that, at that moment, if you don't believe it, still take it and say yep. thank you anyway. Yes. Take the note, take the note, say thank you. And it, it, when it's a very kind note like that, because those are, in life in general, so few and far between, like, like you just made great points about. But it's also, I think it, it builds up the other person's confidence to give compliments. So it's still part of that. It's always, it's always a two-way relationship. Every moment is a little micro or macro relationship. And with, you know, my, you know, my catchphrase of volunteers is every, every interaction is an invitation to stay and an invitation to go. But that's really, yes. that's true of people. And when kindness is met with kindness instead of dismissiveness, it only builds up more kindness and it only builds up more empathy and compassion and, and understanding. And there's also plenty of parts in our Western North American culture that have false politeness. And that's no good because you can sure feel the difference. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and man, I love that you said that because I had never thought of that before because um, sometimes it's kind of like that whole, it's that whole catch 22, right? So we might complain about nobody ever says anything good to us or this and that, but could it also be we are perpetuating it because the one or two times that somebody did say we were like, oh no. And they were like, well then... Why, why bother? Why yeah. bother, right? Because, oh, maybe it's this person seeking or needing this affirmation and they're going to keep mm -hmm. saying no, just, uh, what do they call it? Like you're fishing. And I'm yeah. like, I'm fishing not going to give you compliments if you're fishing for it and you're just going to keep saying no and then I have to keep compliments. Forget that. I'm just trying yeah. to tell you you did a good job. If you don't mm -hmm. want to hear it, then I'm not going to tell you anymore. <gasps> Revelation. I know. <laughs> 
Yes, that's so true. Wow. And and again, it's like you start to think of things as like you there's no downside to that. There's no downside to being gracious with a compliment. And that took me not gonna lie decades of my life. Decades of my life. Because, you know, one of one of my jokes from stand up days or it's just you know, a good a good fam- family friendly joke to share is I was raised in a third generation show business family and I have the therapy bills to prove it. So it's <laughs> that is hilarious. And wow. and that and that is a lifestyle and and professions that are all about how you look, how you act, how you're shaped, what's what's going on on the surface. Yeah. What what is the surface impression that you're giving to the world and not as important what's really going on underneath. If any and sometimes the surface impression mostly deliberately very different from what's going on. So there's not a lot of authenticity in that world. Yeah, well, and it's just it's funny because people will will say things um like even to me they're like, like, cause I'll be like, Oh, I'm extremely introverted and like being around a lot of people like stresses me out and causes mm-hmm. me anxiety. And da-da. and they're like, Oh, but I've seen you on stage. And I was like, yes, because that is my stage personality. When mm-hmm. I get on there, it is a whole different, I am, I am on, you know, yeah. and when I'm dancing on the field, I am on. But as soon as yeah. I come off, I like, I want to shrink into my, my protective little, you know, and it's a whole different, it's a whole different experience. So yeah. And it can, it can be helpful and good and protective. And there's definitely, I think there's two, there's two kinds of core personalities to very successful actors and most people think that like, oh, you have to be an extrovert to be an actor. And it's like some of the most successful actors I know are the shyest, quietest. That is just who they are. And it's their escape or their self-therapy or their art is the transformation into someone completely different and opposite from how they are. And they're often not at all confident or very socially anxious in their real life. And you're like, oh, they've won Golden Globes or they've won Oscars or they're an EGOT and they've won Tonys and they can sing. And it's like, yeah, but that, that you know, triple threat Broadway singer might be the kid that learned to sing to get over their stutter, you know, right. who was teased mercilessly and right. bullied, you know. Yeah. And uh, it's, so there's the, some protection to that. <laughs> the other personality type, which was, uh, more prevalent where where I was um, <laughs> is narcissist. Yeah, oh. is, is toxic is toxic narcissist, and you know sometimes people are. I love it that the show business people that I am still in touch with and that I still know um, are re- are only the really nice people, uh, whether they're introverts or extroverts, but they're still pretty down to earth about it about the whole thing, whatever level of fame they do or do not have, whatever level of financial success they do or do not have, they're still cool people. And that's my favorite kind of person to see succeed in anything, but particularly show business because they're like 2%. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, from sports and performing cheerleading that, you know, uh, sadly, um, and this does, come back to our, our, our feedback conversation when I'm not completely on a tangent. Um, sad, sadly, people who can, as narcissists, um, pretend to be nice and have a mask up uh, of that false politeness or, or false or left-handed, they, not nothing against left-handed people, but it's traditionally called left-handed compliment or undermining compliment. Yeah. The, under, the undermining sandwich where it's like, you know, compliment, weird, criti- passive aggressive criticism compliment and everyone around you is like, Oh, they complimented you. And like, there was a part in the middle. Yeah. You're there like- was a middle. There was like, not, that was, that was pure, that was pure baloney in the middle yeah. of that. Sandwich. <laughs> I don't, I don't buy that. Uh, but that, but that kind of person can often rise to positions of power in show business, in companies, profit, nonprofit, government, faith, politics, mm. 
for all the other reasons that so many other podcasts go into, you know, ours is a society where the narcissist can get ahead. And so I think that is it's getting so deep and profound. I think that's a deeper reason to, if we have a chance to have genuinely good feedback and say something genuinely kind to someone, just shower them. And then if you have a chance to receive that great feedback and receive that compliment and that good energy and good wishes and good emotion, take it, put it, put it in a battery, put it in your your little heart battery. Um, Because so much is fake and so much is, is not, is criticism uh, and is not constructive of of what we all go through. I love it. Take it graciously, practice Mm -hmm. it in the mirror. Just, Thank you. Thank you so much for that feedback. That was very kind of you. And keep it moving. Yeah. Because they know, well, it's not just me. It's the whole team. They know that. But if you're the leader of the team, then just take it. Take it. It's okay. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. We give you permission to just. <laughs> you have our permission to take yeah, the compliment as they are given to you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Two more questions. Yay. Number one. What is something that was either the most challenging or just an accomplishment that you are the most proud of thus far in your life? Oh, in my, in my life or my work life? Whichever. Anything? Anything. Um, my, my most challenging work thing was definitely uh, putting, and I actually Back in the day when the CV included writing a portfolio, a portfolio of essays. Oh, uh, this, yeah, I, I know. I <laughs> no, you're coming in on the good. You're coming in on the good yeah. side of oh like, but you like the test was shorter, but you had to turn in three different papers, three different essays. Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> and I like to write, and I still was like, Ugh. oh, sorry, I, I had a moment right there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm out with that. Um, but I wrote, a, I wrote about, I, I was given, uh, I mean, we're given a lot of impossible situations as leaders of volunteers all the time. But yeah. this one was particularly impossible because it was the first time that an agency, that our agency, government agency, was doing a giant outdoor public event with food and music and educational booths and partner agencies and uh, doesn't lead hikes and safety guidelines. And that all sounds great and amazing. And I'm a good event producer too. So that, that wasn't the, the trick. Um, the trick was that there was, this was on a piece of land that was disputed by a local Ohlone tribe. <laughs> oh. So there was a layer of really delicate politics going into producing this event. Oh, and it man. wasn't, it wasn't even that it was a conflict with, you know, you are the colonizers and we still resent you. That actually, what that wasn't the thing. It was two different um, bands within the overall tribe thought it was theirs and had been that way for hundreds of years. So we just happened to be on this like political powder keg trying to throw a party. Uh, and... And that, and what happened was, and I laughed about it when this came on TV, because this, this was before this episode oh, aired. Oh, gosh. But, um, if you've ever watched the show Parks and Rec. Yeah. So uh, the Harvest Festival episodes, was that's that basically what I went through. And so when those came on TV, after this had occurred, I was like, that's, I lived that. that I was Leslie Nope in that situation. I was in it. We had a tiny horse. It didn't die, but we had we had basically a version of Lil Sebastian at the event. We oh had my gosh. Um, we had to very carefully, and we did this. We did pull it off successfully. Very carefully navigate, you know, local politicians, tribal politics, uh, all kinds of all kinds of stuff was going on, and it was a success. But that was like an extremely stressful. Um, the fact that we got something with like three thousand attendees up and off the ground for the first time that that agency had done anything remotely like that was one horrendously challenging, added a ton of gray hair to my head, uh, which I had to die over and, um, (laughs) but was a huge success and set the standard for success that we kept, we kept doing that event for years after. And then, and each year became easier because we learned something, we learned a tweak at each year. Um, 
And so that was one that was professional personally. I mean, there's been a lot personally not to like overshare, but I actually had, I had an injury um, in 1992 uh, working. I thought I was going to be a park, a park ranger and do stuff like that, but I had a really bad back injury on the job. And uh, it's I was not supposed to, I was supposed to be paralyzed. I was supposed to not walk (laughs) for how badly I hurt my back. Um, And there was the possibility of surgery and I actually didn't want surgery. Um, I wanted to get through it in a more holistic way. And I did. Um, And there was never a point where I was paralyzed. But when I got to the anyway, when I got to the hospital, the doc and they looked at that because I was like, we don't understand how you can feel and move your legs right now. But we're just going to take that gift. And we're going to heal, heal the rest of this. But we really don't understand how your back isn't broken, isn't technically broken, and how you can still move things around. And I'm like, okay, well, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take the win. Again, ta- I'll take the note. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. I'll take the note. I'll take the compliment. So I, that, and that was, um, you know, I was young, young and healthy enough that uh, it was still a really tough recovery over some years to get back to pain-free mobility and stuff like that. And it's like the thing like, storms are coming, you know, (laughs) (laughs) Yep, I can feel, I can feel in my lumbar. It's going to rain tonight. (laughs) You know, it's like, I can't cut it. That's the still. Um, Oh, that's hilarious. So that, that was, that was probably, yeah, probably that one on a, on a personal note that I kind of kept, kept my life together, kept it from falling apart, kept on going, uh, recovered from that all that good stuff. Lifetime movie material, let me tell you. Oh, man, (laughs) that is so good. Talk about, like, a story of resilience and just perseverance. And, I mean, everything that you learned to become a manager of volunteers right there. (laughs) And and that was before I was doing any of that. That was when I – and that was Andrea that was like, well, can't be a park ranger anymore. You know, can't do that kind of stuff. And I worked yeah. still with as much as many conservation agencies as you know, that, that I could just, I was like, huh, what can, how can I shift gears and still help people and do the stuff I want to do, but is in a less constantly physical. Yeah. Um, and then again, other opportunity, you know, we never sit around like, I want to manage volunteers someday as like a right. kid or a teacher. Like it's not in career counseling in right. high school or whatever, or middle school. It's not, there isn't a booth for that. There should right, be. Right. And I saw, although sometimes I've been the booth for that, I've purposely gone to career things at high school. Like this is the booth for that. Yeah. Uh, and it just, but you know, the gift of even something as, as difficult as that was that that opened up other opportunities and, you know, the cliche gun made me the person I am today, but it, it made me reevaluate priorities. Mm. Have, stuff like that happens. Like what's really important in life? Yeah. Who, which friends are really, which friends and family people are really there for me when, when the chips are down. Yeah. Um, and, you know, eventually did, you know, within some years after that led to getting, you know, being a volunteer coordinator uh, and my entry level in, into this profession, you know, almost 20-ish years ago now. And if people do the math, they can probably start to figure out my age, but whatever. <laughs> I'm not. You and I each look a lot younger than we really are, so we're yes. just going to keep those no, secrets we're gonna go between with us. That. <laughs> we're just going to yes. be like, whatever you think this is, you're right. You're right. Thank you. <laughs> exactly. Thank you for the note. <laughs> Exactly. And that's how we'll end up. Thank you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. So this has become my new favorite part of the whole um, recording. So I have this book right here and it's called 3000 questions about me. My goodness. So what I do is I ask the guests, you can choose a number between one and 3000. And then I read the question and then you answer it and then I'll answer it. And if we don't like the question, we can change it. Um, mm-hmm. But if you do ask, if you do pick a duplicate number, I'll just say try it again. But there's there's three thousand questions. We should. What a, okay. If I pick a duplicate number of a question that's been asked already on this podcast, and I'm gonna like put a mask on and run out and buy a lottery. Ticket. Buy a lottery ticket. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm magic with numbers. Uh, okay, I'm going to pick the number twelve hundred and sixty-seven. One two six seven. All right. Let's. 
Okay. Oh, this ought to be fun. Oh, okay. 1267. Okay. Have you ever had a run in with the law? And if so, what for? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, because I've, I've been on both sides of the badge. So I've worked as a park oh. ranger oh, and I've been pulled over for expired car tags or slightly speeding or, you know, never anything super reckless, but I've been pulled over in my car, in my ranger uniform by a sheriff who got the exact same color uniform from the exact same Cabela's store in Santa Rosa <laughs> and would be like, oh, and I'd be like, yeah, I know. It's probably the tags. I don't have enough money this month. I'll get it. Like, I know, I know. And they'd be like, okay. So one occasional, you know, not as bad as the level of police problems we're dealing with today. Yeah. Not nearly as bad. Thank goodness. Uh, not entirely ethical, but, you know, green and tan, green and tan, victimless yeah. crime. Yeah, you know, yeah. The DMV was going to get interest there. on my late payment the next month when my next, you know, measly nine dollar an hour, nine dollars and fifty cents an hour paycheck came in or whatever oh. back in the day. I think maybe then I was up to twelve dollars an hour, but that was when I was like still seasonal and not fully badged yet. But the uniform was the same. <laughs> so, so that and that happened like you know three times with the same expired tags in like one month just wait, wait, the different officers though different right? officers oh, thank God. Can <laughs> no, you no. Imagine? oh no well then it would have been funny then it would have they would have like recognized my sad little beat up old car and oh. gone like oh, that's ranger dane that's just ranger <laughs> dane down there that you know doesn't have m enough money yet for that 97 dollar registration ticket because oh because because she's got to buy ramen and pay rent. Right, exactly. <laughs> oh, my cheek hurt. Okay. Um, so, so there's been that. <laughs> but the other, the other times have been when I was ranger rangering, um, we did missing person searches and coordinations with other agencies and, or, uh, you know, not to like bring us down at the end of the podcast, um, you know, finding a body in a park or a lake or things that, you know that that kind of stuff would happen so there's you know i've i've been on a lot of sides of working with peace officers yeah um and also completely agree with the problems of culture and toxicity that are occurring uh -huh. that that can be systemic uh but yeah but i can say that uh for like my harmless little young self to be dressed in exactly the same clothes as the sheriff pulling me over for a minor traffic ticket. That was pretty fortunate. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. And then I didn't get into more debt and get more paychecks behind and paying off all my car things. <laughs> I mean, take the win wherever you can get it. I know. I was like, thank you for the note. Bye. <laughs> oh my gosh. That is awesome. <laughs> that is awesome. The biggest thing for me has been like a speeding ticket. And then the worst one was like, not even like on the highway where, you know, I probably really deserved it, but mm -hmm. it was like out in the suburbs and they were like bored or like they had to meet their quota at the end of the month. Yeah. It's so much worse in the burbs. It's so much worse in the burbs. Yeah. Two miles over and yeah. And then the guy was like flirting with me. I was like, just give me the ticket or don't. Like, don't <laughs> flirt and give me the ticket. Like, that's not how this works. That's but not how it is. This isn't this isn't an appealing suit. This isn't an appealing suit. Although, here's an here's another life factoid, and it doesn't embarrass me, it's fine. But my mom's second husband, we won't we won't count, but my mom's second husband, um, not my dad, my mom's second husband. Uh, she met him because he was a Newport Beach cop that did pull her over for a speeding ticket and she flirted her way out of the ticket and they started dating and they got married and then the rest was history. Okay, so then I take it personal. It's my <laughs> so, so in that case, it worked. But I completely agree with you that most of the time it's grossly inappropriate and 
shouldn't be done. And I still think that, you know, it wasn't right of her or him to flirt or respond to the flirting. Yeah. Or, well, or, and, or and he was flirting with me. It's not even like I was trying to get out of it. I was just like, you know what? I'd rather you just give me the ticket. Yeah. Your picture sure looks pretty. Like, okay. Uh, oh, and then it's the whole, because like what you had just talked about, we both don't really look our age. Oh, I was like, can I just have a ticket, please? I, I got places to be. Thank you. Yeah. It's like, just like, yeah, I'll, I'll pay the 70 bucks, like whatever, whatever, Ugh. whatever dumb thing it is. The, the flip side of that is that um, I don't think it's advantageous anymore, but it used to be advantageous if I, I used to live in much more dangerous and less expensive parts of San Francisco <laughs> when I first moved here <laughs> in the 90s. This is even before like the tech boom or anything. This was like wow. San, downtown San Francisco is a whole, whole different scene. But you know, it was a rent controlled apartment and it was cheap and I could, I could afford it. And, uh, but I, I still had partly because I was still recovering from a back injury. Um, but I've always had like the police officer walk. Like I've, I have that demeanor to myself. So if I had to be like, I've been out with friends and we were just at a Denny's till two or three in the morning and I'm walking like seven blocks back through like a weird part of the mission district. Like, the few times that someone usually a dude would try to like say something to me or do something i i could turn on enough of that persona yeah. that ranger dane peace officer persona that they immediately would be like nope and <laughs> walk away so being able to again project a persona in a certain situation like got me out of you know harassment or or yeah. worse situations uh on on a few occasions so for that i was i was grateful for that part of my professional background that I could and there you have it everybody ranger dane ranger dane, dane. dane. See, how to give and take feedback with ranger dane how to protect yourself oh, after, you hear, way. after you hear this podcast find her on linkedin ranger, ranger dane, dane. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I, that was my nickname. I never knew that. Oh, it. it just it. sounds better. <laughs> love it. Oh my gosh. So Dana, tell people how can they find you um, with your the services that you offer and just because you're amazing, like how can people find you? How can they reach out to you? Uh, they can reach out to me and bask in my amazingness, uh, according to Nicole Smith. Thank you for the note. You're very kind <laughs> to compliment me. Uh, <laughs> on uh, DanaLitwinConsulting.com and also just DanaLitwin.com. All of those feed into my my way, main website, and my uh, Twitter and Insta handles are at DanaLitwinCVA, D-A-N-A-L-I-T-W-I-N-C-V-A, uh, and I'm on I'm on the Facebooks as I think I'm one of the only Dana Litwins out there but you can see my uh, all of those pictures of me on social media are pre-pandemic hair where i usually like to keep my hair in like a pixie-ish cut like kind of a little shorter and easier to manage and this is definitely like my hair my hairdresser alejandro is not seeing anybody yet so this is definitely uh quarantine hair and it's almost to like braiding and ponytail length but not quite so i'm i'm you you should still recognize me, but my hair will be shorter. And you're on LinkedIn too, right? Yes, LinkedIn. Uh, again, Dana Litwin, the CVA is pops at Dana Litwin CVA on LinkedIn. Uh, and on the YouTubes, uh, Dana's Priceless Advice for Leaders to Volunteers. Uh, again, I'm pretty sure that's the main thing that comes up in a search on the YouTubes. Um, and uh, Nicole, you have a lovely interview there. And Karina has a lovely interview. And yes. Pfizer and a bunch of our other friends and colleagues are yes, just on the channel or about to be, so it's all good stuff. But yes. thank you for having me in my um, weird hair and comfy points of light t-shirt today. Oh, I love it. <laughs> this is so great. This is so, 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 so great. Um, Dana, thank you again so much for being here. And for those of you who have tuned in, thank you also. And make sure that you go and visit her priceless um, advice because it, it literally is priceless and there's just so much there's a wealth of knowledge that you can glean from her and from the guests that she has so make sure you go onto her page and subscribe on her page and then subscribe on mine so that every time we put up a new podcast you are getting that notification 
Um, and I just want to thank you guys again so, so, so much for tuning in to From the Suggestion Box, Navigating Feedback, The Good, The Bad, and The Say What! <laughs> All right, I will see you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>